I'm very excited about today's episode because in my other role as an executive coach, I work with my clients to create alignment in their professional and personal lives. Today we are speaking about another form of alignment, the one of the physical body. But it is remarkable how related those two topics really are. Holistic chiropractic care, creating alignment in a misaligned world. That's our topic here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. Most of us live in an urban environment where we sit at our desks and drive in our cars. Most of us have a fairly sedentary lifestyle and that may have consequences to our overall physique, our posture and consequently can lead to subluxations, misalignments in the body in the form of a vertebrae out of position or a joint being overly stressed. But there is a treatment, the beautiful practice of chiropractic care. We're speaking with a doctor of chiropractic today here on the show and learn what it does and how it works and what we can do to support overall holistic health. Holistic chiropractic care, creating alignment in a misaligned world. All that and more coming up in just a minute here today on An Organic Conversation. I'm your host, Helge Helberg, and this show is made possible by Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Holistic chiropractic care. That's our focus in this hour, creating alignment in a misaligned world. And we're speaking with Dr. Seth Labot, the chiropractor from the Cafe of Life in Marin. That's in Mill Valley, California, cafeoflifemarin.com, the website, who has been dedicating his entire life to support holistic overall health for his patients. He's joining us from Mill Valley, Dr. Labat, do we have you on the line? Yes, we do. Thank you so much for making time. I'm not sure if this is your lunch break or... <laughs> of course, yes, it is my lunch break, but it's my pleasure to be here. I'm excited <laughs> for our conversation. Because you are dedicated to really creating a change in society towards overall holistic health, and that's really your agenda in your entire life. I studied your bio, and can you talk about that? You, you've sports science, chiropractic care... Uh, where does your interest in the physical part of life or overall sustainable health come from? Of course. Thank you, Helde. 
Well, uh, you know, it started off really early on in my childhood. My father actually was diagnosed with heart disease. He actually had a triple bypass surgery at the age of 35. And so at a very early age, uh, I, wow. has, uh, I was made aware of the body being a vessel and how, you know, if you take care of your body, good things can happen. But if you don't take care of your body, bad things can happen as well. And so I was really thrust into this health awareness at an early age. So he had triple bypass when he was 35. And I saw him, I saw him have the necessity to turn his life around. And and he did. He started exercising. He started uh, changing his diet patterns. He started changing his lifestyle. And I saw quickly how he could turn his health around. Uh, my mother as well. She was uh, diagnosed with multiple sclerosis when I was 15. And um, I just had a lot of sickness, symptoms, sickness, and disease at an early age. And I was just really wanting to understand this better and was passionate about um, helping other people to create a healthier lifestyle. And so that's kind of where it all started. Was that here in California or where did you live at that, that time? That was actually in New Jersey. I'm a transplant from New Jersey. And um, I grew up in New Jersey. I uh, decided that I wanted to be in the healthcare arena at a very early age. Um, in high school, I went and got my EMT certificate and started riding in the ambulance while I was in high school in a volunteer uh, situation in a volunteer fire department. And I decided that I was going to go to medical school. And so I uh, went to University of Arizona, and I decided that I wanted to study uh, sports science. I was always interested in being physical. I saw that my father, in order to be healthy, had to change his physicality around. And so um, I was always a very physical person myself, kind of had, like my uh, 14-year-old son nowadays, had ants in my pants and was always you know, just kind of moving around. And I, I knew mm-hmm. that moving my body was a healthy, was a healthy way for me to just uh, take my health into my own hands. And so I uh, went to University of Arizona, decided to study sports sciences, and uh, it was fascinating. I studied kinesiology, I studied biomechanics, I studied exercise physiology, and really got a good understanding, not so much about just the, the regular sciences, which we all have to do, biology, chemistry, physics, and so forth, but I really studied the study of movement, and that's where I just got fascinated with movement and how the movement of the body and how we move our bodies can actually contribute to our overall health and well-being. So that was kind of the the beginning parts of where I started mm-hmm. to get excited about the sports science program. In regard to your parents, the, it sounds like the two major components that changed, that shifted for them was physical exercise and diet. Is that are those the two main areas yeah, ab- you saw? Absolutely. Or? For my father, definitely. Uh, he, uh, when he was 35, after he had his triple bypass, he turned his life around. And at first he started walking. He was just walking. He just walked everywhere. He just started walking hours and hours. He would walk throughout the day. And then he decided to go, and he got a black belt in karate, actually. And I was uh, just fascinated with how his turning his physicality around and how turning his strength and his awareness of his physical body can actually affect his overall health and well-being. And then that's usually connected to a loss in weight, and which is... Yes. Yes, you know, absolutely. Overweight loss is weight, inf- inflammation. Loss in weight overall, uh-huh. uh, increase in muscle tone. Lots of different lots of different uh, effects happen when you start to exercise. Exercise has a tremendous amount of effects. It will 
increase a variety of different areas. My mom, you know, she, you know, with the diagnosis of multiple sclerosis, diet was really important for her. So when you start to talk about the gut and the microbiome um, and autoimmune disease, obviously, um, there's so many different things that you can do to change your diet. So for her, there was a lot of dietary involvement for her. She still needs to be active in terms of her movement is concerned, but she was doing that more specifically with physical therapists and occupational therapists and so forth. Interesting that you bring up muscle tone. Um, it's it can sound like a you know like a vain statement that you know he he just started to look better, but muscle tone is actually critical for optimal posture, right? Can you explain that? Absolutely, um, a posture is a posture is a window to the body. So when you take a when I when patients come into the office and I take a look at them, posture is absolutely a window to what's going on in their spine. And in order to have proper posture, you have to have proper muscle tone. I think in today's day and age, we have um, a very head forward society. We have a sedentary society, and so most of us are sitting at computers. We're driving around in a car. We have a very hectic lifestyle especially here in Marin County. And what I'm dealing with day in and day out is people that are coming in that have weak musculature that cannot hold their posture in place. And this uh, formulates actually um, a syndrome called upper cross syndrome where the head moves forward. Um, and interestingly enough, for when the head moves forward, for every inch that the head moves forward, you actually add about 10 pounds of weight to your spine. So for instance, the human head weighs anywhere from 10 to 12 pounds, but for every inch forward, it adds effectively about 10 pounds of weight, putting tremendous amount of pressure on the spine. So having enough strength and physicality to hold yourself in proper posture is extremely important. One of the things that we talk about here in the office all the time is that in order to be healthy, you have to do various different things. And one of the biggest criteria that you can have is movement. We have to be moving. Movement is life. If you're not moving, then you're starting to break down and you're starting to degrade and you start to get all these different types of patterns that are going on. So movement is extremely important and increase in muscle tone and strength of your muscles are very important. Holistic chiropractic care, creating alignment in a misaligned world. That's our topic here in this hour of an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg and I'm speaking with Dr. Seth Labat, chiropractor, from the Cafe of Life Marin. That's cafeoflifemarin.com, the website in Mill Valley, a great chiropractic office that I have visited myself and can absolutely vouch for. Um, and we, we're going to talk about the, the intuition that you bring to your work that I've experienced. It feels to me that you know already when somebody walks in that person might not need to tell you what what's really hurting. You see it, right? Absolutely. Um, such a large percentage of what I do is observation. I'm always observing, <laughs> and people will be remarking on it all the time in my personal life um, because I'm just so in tune. I am watching people as they're walking into my office, um, how they're walking, what their gait patterns look like, what their demeanor is. Are they stressed? Do they have a posture, a confident posture where they're holding themselves up? Are they um, moving forward in a relaxed posture where they seem to be more stressed out? Um, I can tell how people are holding themselves, and I can just tell by their overall demeanor what's going on for them. So, and even, you know, how they get themselves on my table, how they're standing, how they're sitting, how they're getting onto my table. Um, observation is key. 
key. I can tell right away what's going on with someone. Of course, getting my hands on them is the ultimate is the ultimate uh, tool to kind of really feel what's going on in the body. But it's such a degree that if somebody walks in and has a maybe a little limp or something, you already know what's out, right? You can actually you have such a sense of the body that you can even know which part needs to be addressed or is that an overstatement? Well, perhaps maybe a slight uh, overstatement, but absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that, Helge, I work with patients over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. We love working with people that use chiropractic as a healthy lifestyle strategy. Sure. So I'm blessed in the, in the sense that my patients have been with me for long periods of time. You and know we them. see them yeah. over a continuum. So I know the people that I'm dealing with over a long period of time. And so I get a sense of what's going on for them. So I usually understand what their patterns are. But yes, we have lots of different tools and techniques to be able to determine what's going on for patients. Certainly posture and observation of their posture, what their gait patterns are and so forth. Uh, gives us a lot of information even before we get our hands on them. But um. Let, Let's get into the conditions that you're finding. You're treating misalignment, bulging, discs, um, you know, facet syndrome. I, we st I studied your website, and um, there's lots of chronic degenerative arthritis of the spine. Can you explain what these are, really, and, and sure. how these conditions are caused? Like, and how do you treat sure. them? I mean, how, how would you tr treat a chronic degenerative arthritis of the spine? Can chiropractic yeah, it would really be, address that? It would be that? my pleasure. It would be yeah. my pleasure. So generally, as a, as a chiropractor, I primarily work with a condition called subluxation. Now, subluxation is a fancy term that chiropractors use to describe misalignment of the spine. So it usually, most of these different types of conditions will start with a subluxation. A subluxation is a misalignment that puts pressure on the nerve. When that nerve can't communicate properly, things will start to break down. So if you have a subluxation and it doesn't get corrected over time, the body wants to protect itself. And so the body has different protection mechanisms. And one of those is what we call compression of the spine. So when we get a misalignment, a subluxation that puts pressure on the nerve, um, oftentimes the body will start to protect itself. And when it does, it will compress. And when it compresses, ultimately the body will start to build bone because it wants to protect itself that much more. See, the body is very smart. We are extremely smart. Um, we have an innate intelligence within us, that power that made us who we are from, you know, implantation to cell peripheralization of 70 trillion cells. Our body also has an innate capacity to help heal ourselves, but it's smart in the way that it tries to protect itself. So when it gets a subluxation and it compresses, it will actually start to build bone to wall itself off and protect itself. And this building of bone, that is essentially degenerative arthritis. You can have degenerative arthritis in the spine, you can have it in the knee, you can have it in the shoulder. But when things stop moving and when things compress, that's the body's natural mechanism, which is to build bone and protect itself. And so that's why the conversation that we were having earlier is paramount 
movement is key. If you're not moving and you're sedentary and things stop moving properly, it will move along into this fixation or misalignment and then the body will protect itself and it will want to uh, compress and build bone, which will lead to more arthritis. Mm -hmm. So it's so important that we keep the spine fluid and that we keep moving throughout our lives. So that is pretty much what the chronic degenerative arthritis looks like. But when you're in the spine specifically, in between the vertebrae, we have soft tissue in the form of discs. And so if those discs are in there, those discs are meant as spacers. They leave room for the nerve and for the spinal cord. But if there's compression and it's compressing those discs, those discs will start to bulge out. You can think about it like um, a water balloon. If you push on a water balloon on a table, you'll see it start to bulge out a bit. And that's essentially what a bulging disc is. Well, those discs have to go somewhere, and usually what they do is they push out into the surrounding structures where the nerve comes out and where the spinal cord is, and that can lead to one of the most common things where people will say, well, in the lower back, it can lead to sciatica, or in the neck, it can lead to radiating pain down the arm, down the shoulder, pain, numbness, tingling, and so forth. So it all starts with subluxation. It all starts with lack of movement, pressure on the nerve, and then ultimately, it's these compressive syndromes that I'm seeing day in and day out. And Helge, it's important to note that these conditions don't happen overnight. This is micro-repetitive trauma that happens over years and years and years. And so the best thing that we can do as human beings is to ensure that we keep our body aligned and that we keep moving and that we stay strong so that we can stay ahead of the curve as it relates to this. So when you say subluxation, it's really literally one vertebrae a little bit out of its correct place. Is that correct. too simple? Yeah, subluxation. There's varying different degrees of subluxation, sure. but a small misalignment that creates lack of movement, that puts pressure on the uh -huh. nerve, that creates yes. inflammation, can not only cause pain, numbness, tingling, and so forth, these nerves control and regulate every cell, tissue, and organ of your whole entire body. The nervous system is the master communication system that controls and coordinates everything. So the question is, well, mm -hmm. where is this subluxation? And what, when we're putting pressure on this nerve, where is that nerve going? Is it going into your heart? Is it going to your lungs? Is it going to your digestive system? So we take care of people in this office, not just for you know, back pain, neck pain, headaches. We take care of people with digestive disorders, autoimmune disorders, asthma, allergies, attention deficit disorder. It doesn't have to be a physical pain modality. Chiropractic can help with so many different types of organic illnesses as well. Uh -huh. Yes, uh, we want to dive into that more after the break. But sure. um, can you explain how, I mean, if somebody says, I threw my back out, uh, which means to a various degree, one vertebrae might be a little bit out of alignment. How does that happen? How do we? How does the vertebrae just get, get that, out of a, misalignment? That's a great question. In one word, I will say stress. So what causes subluxation is stress, specifically three different types of stress. We have physical stress. Now, physical stress can be broken down into two different types. We have macro trauma, which would be, for instance, an accident, a car accident, uh -huh. a slip and fall, sure. a bike accident. I see those all the time. But more often than not, we have a repetitive micro trauma. So day in and day out, our sedentary lifestyles, 
sitting at a desk all day, driving, that manual laborers, bending, lifting, and twisting all day, mm-hmm. a mom who's nursing, you know, three children over the course of 10 years, whatever that might be. So we have physical stress. Then we have mental and emotional stress, right? So we have psychological stress, emotional stress. We've got We've got families, we've got relationships, we've got careers, we have employers, we have finances, we have all these different things mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally that are stressing our bodies out that can cause, that can physically manifest a subluxation in the system. And then we have chemical stresses, which obviously um, your whole network is talking about. So we have the chemical stresses, what we eat, what we drink, what kind of environmental pollution and toxins are we being exposed to, what kind of detergents are we using. What kind of you know, so we have the chemical stresses. We just had the fires most recently here in Sonoma and Napa County. Obviously, everybody was um, really concerned about the type of uh, chemical toxins mm-hmm. that we were yeah, getting quality. into our system. Yeah. So, um, in a word, stress, physical, mental, emotional, and chemical stress causes subluxation. And unless you're living in a vacuum, you're being exposed to these different types of stresses. And most people do have some level of subluxation in their system. What's the connection between environmental toxins, air quality, for example, and throwing your vertebrae a little bit out of place? Like how does it function? You you breathe in air, that's a stress on your lungs, and then the lungs are connected to your spine? Well, that's a great question. So the different types of chemicals that we take in, those chemicals are going to create a whole host of different type of biochemical um, processes that happen in the body. And so that can affect your muscles, which can affect, um, you know, your muscles are attached to the various different bones of the spine. So um, all these different biochemical um, processes that are happening when we get exposed to these chemicals. And it will also affect our hormones as well when we start to get these different toxins in our Mm -hmm. body, a different hormone response and different immune response is going to take take action. And when our immune system starts to go into hyper overdrive, that's going to have a whole host of effects on our on our process as well as subluxation as well. So unbelievably super interesting. Holistic chiropractic care, creating alignment in a misaligned world. Uh, we're speaking with Dr. Seth Labat from Cafe of Life Marin out of Mill Valley, California, cafeoflifemarin.com, the website. We'll be right back with so much more. Uh, holistic chiropractic care, our focus here on inorganic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. And we're back here to an organic conversation, holistic chiropractic care, our topic in this hour, creating alignment in a misaligned world. And we have an amazing chiropractor on the show today that has treated me personally as well, Dr. Seth Labot from the Cafe of Life Marin. Right before the break, you were talking about how the spine and all the nerve endings in there affect so much more than just having your back out. I know it's super painful to throw your back out, but chronic misalignment does something way more to our health. Actually, I heard a few years ago that it's basically if your spine, where all the nerve endings and all the information runs, is a little bit out of place, you might uh, have an injury or, or some disease in your body and your brain does not understand it, which means it cannot 
send in the troops and cure it. Is that extreme or is that really true? That No, that's, that's absolutely true, Helge. Really? In fact, 90% of the information that the brain takes in, it takes in through the spine. So yes, when you get a subluxation or when you get misalignment, not only can it affect you know, spine pain, but it can also affect all different types of chronic issues as well. Uh, in order to understand that, you really have to kind of review the autonomic nerve system. So the autonomic nerve system is broken down into a parasympathetic nerve system and a sympathetic nerve system. The parasympathetic nerve system is rest and repair. So for instance, if you have a huge Italian meal, you have lasagna, you have some tiramisu, some Chianti, and you're just in you know, quiet rest and digest mode. You're sitting on the couch, maybe kind of opening up that top button and you're done for a while. Your body is in rest and repair mode. Versus sympathetic is your stress response. Sympathetic is your stress response, which is fight or flight. Uh, think of a cheetah running after you. Your cortisol levels would go up and you'd be running for your life. Mm -hmm. So um, when you get subluxated, that will actually trigger your stress response. And when we trigger the stress response, your cortisol levels will go up. And when that happens, you can have this, what we call adaptive physiology, which will save our lives in the short term. You want to have that adaptive physiology when like cheetahs running after you, but will actually shorten our lives in the long run. So um, for instance, blood pressure will increase with a threat. Now that's a threat that's a, a threat or a stress, either it's real or perceived. Your heart rate will increase, your muscle tone will increase, uh, digestion can get upset, uh, your reproductive or sex drive gets down-regulated, your, your uh, serotonin levels can get down-regulated, fear and anxiety increases, your immune response gets down-regulated, as well as your insulin sensitivity gets down-regulated. Mm -hmm. So this would mean an increase in blood sugar, uh, a decrease in your HDLs, increase in your LDLs. So it really can actually set people up for diabetes, heart disease, heart attacks, subluxation uh, is so much more than just back pain and neck pain. We're talking about your body's overall wow. physiological response. And most of us, I would say, in this society, at least in the States, is in, a, in some form of a sympathetic mode all the time, be it relationships you know, or be it financial stress. What, absolutely. What Interestingly enough, when patients come into the office, we have a test that we do that's called heart rate variability, and it measures how your body is adapting to stress, it actually will measure and plot out on a chart mm -hmm. how much your body is sympathetic versus parasympathetic and how, um, how high is your overall autonomic nerve system function. Mm -hmm. And the large majority of people that come into the office wow. are extremely sympathetic. They don't have a good balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic, uh -huh. which is ultimately what we'd like to have. They're extremely sympathetic fight or flight And um, if you use the analogy of being in a car, they're basically flooring it, but they don't really have much gas. So, you know, yeah. yes, we, uh, you're absolutely right. We're all in a very hyper-stressed mode, especially in our uh, society. And, of course, if you're running away from the cheetah 24-7, you exhaust your adrenals, and it's kind of this spiral going down, right? You never exactly. really restore. Um, exactly that, right? We talk about, you know, chronic, you know, chronic fatigue, And um, you're just uh, basically adrenal fatigue. Have you ever met anyone who had a lifestyle where 
chiropractic care was not necessary. Basically, if you exercise enough or the right exercise and you have the right food and you live in the right environment and you have a perfect balance between parasympathetic and sympathetic modes, is it possible to make chiropractic care obsolete? Or is it fair to say that we are so subluxated or we are so misaligned as a society that without that manipulation, that really physical manipulation that well, you do, it's you know, not going to work? That's a great question. And I think the answer is, is that I think there are people that are consciously aware enough to take care of themselves to a degree where chiropractic is not quite as necessary. Mm-hmm. But life is inherently stressful. Exercise can be st- exercise can be a healthy stress, but it can that healthy stress can also manifest negatively in the body. For instance, if you see just endurance athletes or high strength athletes, mm-hmm. even the the healthy activities that we do sometimes will manifest stress in the body. Sure. And it's always a good idea to have a chiropractor dissipate this stress. So the answer is, you know, certainly there are some people that could really mitigate their necessity for consistent long-term chiropractic care. And I, I find that to be few and far between. There's always, you know, you don't have to have any symptoms to see a chiropractor. In fact, there's plenty of people that come into the office that don't have symptoms. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is just to actually... Make sure. Um, just to increase your overall neurological proprioceptive input and to make sure that your nerve system is firing at all levels. I mean, even the birth process in and of itself these days can be, can be uh, very stressful and traumatic. So um, I think there are people that can definitely mitigate to a large degree the necessity for it. And ultimately, when people come into our office, that's my goal. My goal is for people to be able to take care of themselves to the extent where they don't need to see me as much. But again, I'm also a proponent for consistent care because I feel like any other healthy lifestyle strategy, whether that's eating well, drinking clean water, breathing clean air, exercising, this is just another healthy tool to have in your tool chest. Yeah, it's interesting that we've kind of learned that, you know, if you're sick, you go to the doctor. And I know that in Asian cultures, you go to the doctor because you want to stay healthy and actually you don't you stop paying them exactly. if you do get sick um, so chiropractic care massages uh, you know exercise all these things we can do to actually foster life instead of treating disease are not quite in the focus or, or weight absolutely Americans and in our country <laughs> we definitely you know have it quite backwards you know we rank 38th in terms of overall health. Uh, $2 trillion, 16% of our GDP, and yet still 130 million people suffer with chronic illnesses. We take probably 75% of all the pharmaceuticals in the world. And uh, wow. yeah, there's, it's the, our healthcare system definitely can use a different paradigm. It can use a different approach. How early would you recommend, uh, or in other words, are you treating teenagers or even children as well, or is that too early? birth. You know, like I mentioned before, the birth process in and of itself can be very traumatic. Um, Oh, I thought you meant the mom, not the child. You would actually even adjust a baby? We adjust babies at birth as well, yeah, because we know that as the twig is bent, so the tree grows. 
So even the birth process can be traumatic for the child. Usually the head is flexed and rotated when it comes out, and small misalignments in the beginning could lead to big problems later on in life. That's why we take care of a lot of children in the office that have chronic ear infections. We take care of a lot of kids in the office that perhaps maybe have enuresis or bedwetting or chronic allergies, asthma, attention deficit disorder. There's all different kinds of conditions for children that start with subluxation at a very early age. When you think about it, uh, learning to crawl, learning to stand. I mean, how many times does a child fall, fall yeah. you know, trying to learn up how to, how to stand, learning to walk, run, bike accidents, uh, heavy backpacks, jungle, falling off the jungle gym. I mean, at nauseam, our life is stressful from day one, so we take care of kids from the very beginning. And the techniques are... Um, are um, accommodating for that. They're very low force. We're, you know, barely putting any pressure on the spine. It's not like we're doing these mm-hmm. big popping and clicking techniques and so forth. And if you were to look at me, just a newborn, you would wonder, are you even touching this child? Uh-huh. So a small amount of correction in the beginning these kids respond so quickly, and uh, it can really help to avoid all different kinds of problems that we have as adults, right? I mean, I think growing up, uh, the mentality was crisis care. You know, something's broke, totally. fix it. So nowadays, when we can work with children at a very early age, I can speak from experience that my children, um, they've been getting adjusted since, you know, since birth, and, you know, they don't get as many colds. They don't get as many flus. They don't have as many problems as all of their uh, their peers at school. They just, you know, they remain healthy. There's all different kinds of healthy habits that you can do. Chiropractic happens to be one of them. How fascinating. Holistic chiropractic care, creating alignment in a misaligned world. Dr. Seth Labot from the Cafe of Life Marin is our guest today here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. We're almost out of time, but I do want to dive into this one area that you mentioned, um, the gut food. There's lots of research now on the biome that you mentioned. Can you explain really as a lifestyle, mind, body, heart, spirit? I know you kind of advocate for all four areas. How is that all related? Why would spicy food or an unhealthy biome, which is the gut flora, contribute to misalignment? And what are your recommendations for a comprehensively healthy lifestyle? Of course. So um, you made a lot of great points there. In our office, when we talk to our patients, we talk about some major tenets Um, One of them is creating a rhythm in your life. Um, Our body does well in rhythms, okay? So when we go to sleep at the same time every night and we wake up at the same same time every morning, our bodies just do better. If you can create a rhythm for yourself, um, you're really going to be contributing to your overall health health and wellness. I always recommend that patients, when you think about what you can do outside of the office, when you think about the mind, so um, mindfulness is really important. We talked about three different types of stresses that cause subluxation, and mental and emotional stress is one of them. So what are you doing to help dissipate the mental and emotional stress that you have in your life? Mm-hmm. Do you have a mindfulness practice? Do you meditate? Do you journal? Do you walk in nature? Um, we have to do something to work on our minds. So um, it positive attitude, glass half empty versus glass half full, but dissipating that stress that we have in our minds is really important. As far as the chemical component, we have to eat, we have to eat well, we have to honor our bodies and only put um, beautiful nutrient 
dense foods into our body. So for most of the patients coming to the office, this might be simplifying it just a bit, but for most of our patients in the office, we recommend a very simple diet of organic dense vegetables to be two-thirds of their diet, followed with some lean, healthy, organic, sustainable, locally harvested protein, if that is what patients subscribe to, which for me, it doesn't make a difference whether you're vegetarian or not. However, um, two-thirds, whether you're vegetarian or not, two-thirds plant-driven nutrient-dense vegetables, staying away from most, staying away from flour, staying away from sugar, um, staying away from a good amount of grains. There are some grains that are that are okay, but we try to keep the grains on the low. And then staying away from a lot of dairy will also help most of the patients that we're experiencing as well. So just putting nutrient-dense foods in our body, working on our mind, and then, you know, spirit, of course, you know, it's like having that, I believe, in transformation on a physical level, a mental, emotional level, and a spiritual level. So I believe that everybody's connected to a higher, to a higher source, and it doesn't matter to me, you know, what people call that, um, but I do believe that there is a universal intelligence and an innate intelligence in all living matter, and I think it's important that people give respect to that and, and understand that there is something out there that is divine that is contributing to our overall happiness and well-being. And how would you cultivate that part? For myself, it's meditation. For myself, it's prayer and meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, I do 15 minutes every morning, first thing in the morning when I wake up, and I just use, uh, and I, you know, I propose this to my patients as well. I think um, everybody should have some kind of spiritual practice. For myself, it's meditation. I do prayer and meditation for myself first thing in the morning, along with uh, my exercise and um, I'm a goal-driven type person as well. So I think that if you have goals and you, and you know where you'd like to be and you follow that, um, that goes for health goals too. I always sure. encourage my patients to have health goals. What is it that you're trying to accomplish so that I can partner with them to actually help to achieve those health goals? So working on your goals, um, working on the mindfulness, um, making sure that you're connected to some kind of higher divine power um, whether that's through meditation, through journaling, through chanting. There's all different kinds of things that people do these days. We are fortunate enough to live in Marin, where we have a whole host of areas that are really great for that. Yeah, and we just had a show on even the practice of, of gratefulness, right? Even to have a few minutes a day where you are counting your blessings, so to say, where you are active, actively practicing gratefulness, even with a partner or with yourself, what are you grateful in your life, Absolutely. changes My, the, the parasympath or the sympathetic mode into parasympathetic mode. Exactly right. And there's lots of research studies to, to show that when we do work on our mind and we do work on our gratitude and we do work on love, that the adaptive physiology um, actually changes for the better, for sure. My wife is really good at that. She'll do the gratitude list every day. She does the gratitude list every day. And it's amazing. You know, you sit down, you write a gratitude list, and you take a look at it. Somehow all the stresses that you have going on don't seem so much of a stress anymore. It seems, I mean, it seems so simple and so amazing at the same time, but really, wow, 
Isn't that the most logical thing to do? I mean, don't we all want to go through life feeling grateful? And of, of course, you can only do that if you do count your blessings, if you become aware of what you're really grateful for in your life. And everyone has some something to be grateful for in their lives. Absolutely. But we just don't do it as a society. It's not what the news suggests. It's not what we do as, you know, among communities, really. So I, I really want to thank you for your work. I know you do workshops within your Yeah, we do. We do them office. every month. We do yeah. them every month. It's really beautiful work, and um, you've always been a, a pillar of of health and hope in in my life. And um, thank for you so many much, other people. Yeah, thank you for making the time. And of course, it was my pleasure. Go back to treating patients; they need you. <laughs> Very good. Well, we look forward to seeing you sometime here in the office as well, Helge. You will take good All care. Right. Thank Thanks you so much for your time. You Thanks. It's been take a pleasure. Care. Bye. That's holistic chiropractic care, creating alignment in a misaligned world. And that was Dr. Seth Labot, chiropractor at the Cafe of Life Marin, cafeoflifemarin.com, the website. He joined us today from Mill Valley, California, which is just over the Golden Gate Bridge, north of San Francisco. And yes, food is critical for overall holistic health, as we just heard, and we're staying with that topic. Here's the update, the consumer segment from the produce dock in San Francisco of what's coming in, what you will find on your retail shelf in your produce department in just a few days, perhaps. How to buy it, what to look for, how to make sure it's perfectly ripe, uh, what's a good deal right now, how to store it at home, and what to do with it in your kitchen. Here is what's in season. And this week, we are graced with the man himself, Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick of Earl's Organic Produce. That's earlsorganic.com, the premier wholesaler of organic, only organic fruits and vegetables, really the premier one in the world, uh, serving all of Northern California. And I know already I have him on the line, hearing him <laughs> chuckle. Earl, do we have you? <laughs> Helga, hello. Hi. <laughs> Good Good morning. Good afternoon. Yes, um, it's great to uh, be on, uh, <laughs> uh, connected with you again. Here, here we are in May, and yeah. produce is oh. so coming in on from all oh. sides every day. It seems like there's a new a new crop. I'm excited. It feels like summer is yeah. here already, and so much more is to come. And wow, this is the richest. It's also my birthday month, but it also feels like. You know, we've done it now. It's it's coming in, but you don't want to talk about produce, I hear. Well, I I do, but in a in a different uh, in a <laughs> in a different way. You know, we 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 well, we've been talking for years, and and I think some people may say, well, what exactly what exactly happens at Earl's Organic? <laughs> what what goes on there? Uh, and and uh, and so I wanted to take a, take some moments here for you and I to uh, reminisce a bit, but also talk about that. And 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 we're a wholesaler. And a wholesaler is one that is the classic middleman. So we sit right in between the where the product is created. In this case, it's the grower and then the end user. We're right in the middle. And, and the end user can be a restaurant or a retail outlet. Mm -hmm. It could be an individual, a co-op, or anything. And, and, and our commitment is to you know, promote, obviously, the organic produce And also, and, and equally as important, we cultivate the partnerships between those two aspects of growing and using. 
and that is really where the vitality is. And, and, and everything that we do then is an outgrowth of that. It's those relationships we have with the grower and the end user. And then we use uh, organic produce as kind of medium. Uh-huh. So we're developing relationships. It's interesting, um, actually, that you, that you put it that way, because I remember like 10 years ago when the organic food movement was really peaking, at least in Northern California, but really coast to coast, slow food came into the scene. And yeah. the echo of the call was kind of, let's cut out the middleman. That's really where the problem yeah. is, right? If the grower well, has a directly, like go to farmer's markets, because then you support the farmer directly, which is true. But, you know, ideally, we would have a world without the middleman. The middleman was kind of bad. And uh, since my work with you directly, it has come from the middleman is bad, which I never really believed or, or knew much about, to you are crucial, actually, in this role. The grower couldn't bring all his produce to market. It needs uh, uh, you know, a, a wise buyer. It needs advice. It needs help on how to pack, how to, how to ship it well. It needs trucks. It's, it needs that. It's an entire industry. If it, and if it's done well, if, if you're as committed as the grower to keeping them alive, it's not kind of this coffee idea of the coyote who, who pays you a penny on the pound and then sells it for $30 on the pound at all, yeah. right? Yeah, well, you know, it's true. You, there, there was that, and it still exists to some point. I, I remember becoming a wholesaler and, and all of a sudden realizing that there are certain uh, factions or parts of the industry that, dis- mm-hmm. that, that wants to avoid the wholesaler at every, at every turn. Right. And what I, what I started to learn is that we need to create, we as a wholesaler, this distrib- distributor, create our value. We have to... We have, you know, it's kind of like this thing of what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. And so our job is continually to, to, to create the value that we have. And for me, those values are, well, the, upper, the, the purpose we have, because the grower, obviously, if, if, if they could sell everything and make money and, and, and have the distribution that they would want, we may not be necessary as a wholesaler. Mm-hmm. But that really doesn't exist. We give the opportunity to... Uh, distribute a further reach. We get to educate. We get to create choices because we could, we're going to have five different uh, growers of strawberries. We're going to have five uh, different growers of blueberries. We're going to have all these choices. And those choices, I think, not unlike a, uh, like a restaurant, we have a couple different uh, entrees. Mm-hmm. I have people coming to me and go, well, which blueberry should I be buying? So we're going to have one that's cheaper, We're going to have one that perhaps is domestic. We're going to have one that's a high-quality, great flavor, because the fact is we serve so many people with different aspects that they want different things. Some people, I want the cheapest you got. Some people say, I want the sweetest you have. So as much as anything, a wholesaler allows, creates choice, and presents that to the end user. Yeah, and, and, and you, you are really, I mean, as a wholesaler, you are really a partner, Right to them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We're a partner, and we're a partner for both ends of the of the distribution line. We partner with the grower, and we partner with that end user. And the partnership looks, from a grower point of view, we help them choose crops, we help them develop packaging, we uh, we help them understand the best time to be uh, to be harvesting that that crop to get the best amount of money. So that partnership is very powerful. And then the end user. 
whoever they are, whether it's a retailer or whoever, we're offering those choices and being totally transparent about, well, you know, understanding their needs. Mm -hmm. One is anticipate their needs and then being able to talk about their needs without confusing them. It seems, so, yeah, it, it, it seems, partnership is absolute. Yeah, and, and it seems counterproductive when you say we're trying to get them the most amount of money. It, one would think that a wholesaler squeezes the, the pr producer yeah. on whatever in whatever industry, and then sells it for the biggest margin possible to the to the end user, whether that's a consumer or a store. But that, you that don't is the archetype. Yeah, exactly. So why yeah. why is it important to you to pay the most money you possibly yeah. can to the grower? Well, for me, it is about we're we're nowhere if we don't have growers, and to say that's their total responsibility is is just a it's a. It's a, it's a shallow understanding of the marketplace. Meaning you Fact need them, is, right? You want to keep yeah, them alive. You, yeah. you want to, you want yeah, to let them exactly. flourish. Exactly. My job is to make them succeed. Not only the grower, but the end user. So, if, so for me, I got to know the market well enough to be able to know the, the highest money I can pay that grower and also to be able to make enough money to stay in business and sell it as a profit, mm -hmm. but not too much that it's going to be too high for the end user. Sure. So it is this beautiful dance that we do, and I think one of the reasons we're successful is that we have a huge amount of experience, we know the market, and we anticipate it you know, as well as anybody. So that gives us, that puts us right in the place where we want to be. So over a period of years, you have a huge amount of data from which to draw upon, but also mm -hmm. you actually get to drive the market by anticipating and going, hey, I want I need a pint mm -hmm. blueberry by May 1. See, you, know, you can have a 4-ounce, a 6-ounce, a pint, or 18-ounce blueberry <laughs> container, but we know when we want it and, and what that allows the grower to do and, what, and, what, how, and how the end user anticipates that. So the partnership is, is only limited by you know, the creative process that you could be involved with. Yeah, I wonder if yeah. you were ever being thanked for that. Um, to have that that role, it's almost like you're a pressure valve, right? You're you're yeah. you're a regulator of both sides, producer and and um, yes. and your the stores you work with, and that role is critical. I mean, it would just you're basically smoothing out. Um, you know, low times you're you're giving maybe more money to, and yep. when it when it's needed because you know the crop yep. was late, whatever. Like you're you're constantly yep. regulating the food system to make sure everyone is is as strong and vibrant as they could be. And I don't think that role is really understood, actually. Well, you're you're right, uh, Helga. You know, and I do get compliments from growers all the time, the ones that we partner really closely with, and, and, and they understand the market enough to appreciate what we do. But it's Sometimes more complex it's, than that, right? I mean, you're doing it, more it than is. that. Yeah. What is? Um, part of what we, we when we were first talking to a grower, first thing I ask them is, what do you want to do? What's your passion? What mm -hmm. do you want to grow? And then we understand, it can, can, is that appropriate for the land that you have? I mean, you're not going to be growing avocados up in uh, Santa Rosa, yeah. that, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. So when we get those two things aligned, then it's a matter of understanding who else is doing it at, at that sure. time. Mm -hmm. is the, are you going to flood the market? Because the beauty of produce, in some sense, you could distill it down to supply and demand. Of course. So how can you yeah. create the supply in a time that it doesn't overflow the demand 
And as a farmer, how can you use your pocket of land in a way that is exactly yeah. a niche in itself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes it's a real process of, you know, a replanting, choosing a different type of mandarin, if uh -huh. you will, a different variety of peach, sure. and fitting it in. <laughs> yeah, and Amazing. all that stuff is... <laughs> yeah, and so well, and what is really beautiful is when you hook up in a partnership that there's that equal mutual appreciation. Isn't that so true? Whether that's yeah. a farmer and a wholesaler or a romantic one or a business one, it's all good. Yes, that mutual appreciation. That's what it comes yeah. down to. And in a lot of ways, it's as gross, if you will, as money. But the fact is, there's a truthfulness about that yeah. because money is energy. And when that's in abundance, you know you're doing your job. And it's not about being greedy. It's a matter of that yeah. is the energy and how it's <laughs> how it manifests for you. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> yep. This so our job, uh, the a... last little bit I wanted to yeah. say is our job uh -huh. is to educate too. Uh -huh. and, and it can be as, as, as simple as, you know, winter peaches available. You know, why are they priced so high? When can I, when are, why can't I get blueberries in January? Or can I get, blue? so that part of the industry we really totally. enjoy and we, we've, we've taken that upon ourselves to really educate more and more. And you're doing that every week um, through your segment, What's in Season, uh, here yeah. on, the, on the show every day <laughs> in your work and you just did it again. So, <laughs> yeah, man. thank you all. Yeah. Really fun and rich and textured, and the complexity of it all is just that's where it's at. We, you know, we can't chase the 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 one single solution. It's an interconnected web, just as nature, um, business, and human interactions. And you're doing such a beautiful job. Thank you for being on the show today, and we'll have you back awesome. very soon. Looking forward to it, Helga. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Helga. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye now. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you also to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher or Google Play so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at An Organic Conversation and on Twitter at Talk Organic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.